Hi, I'm your host, Anthony Giorgio, and you're listening to another episode of QT, Queer Teen Podcast, encouraging the next generation of queer youth from across the world to stand up for what's right. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Queer Teen Podcast. I'm super excited for my next guest. Usually, I'll have my, I, I will have my guests tell you who they are and what they do um, because it's uh, way better coming from their mouths. So, here is my guest. Take it away. Hello, my name is Kevin Miguel Garcia. My pronouns are they, them. And I'm a digital pastor and intuitive soul coach, author, speaker, and all around uh, a woo woo vibey ass bitch, I'd say. Am I allowed to cuss on here? Do we cuss here? Hey, whatever you want. Yep. Okay, cool. Great. Yeah, then that's how I would identify. Cool. Just kind of just uh, someone who's out there trying to tell people that um, love is real and it's the only thing that matters, really, in my opinion. What uh, what got you going in all of this? What was the what was the the point of like, okay, this is what I'm probably going to end up doing with my life? Um, well. I call myself a digital pastor because when I was younger, well, someone on the internet called me that first. It's like, you're a digital pastor to me. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. So I just borrowed it and I realized that's kind of where I found myself. But I knew I wanted to be some kind of like spiritual leader or teacher from like age nine. Um, I had a really interesting experience with uh, what, I th- what I call the Holy Ghost at age nine. And um, from there, became a very zealous Christian, was in XK therapy for 12 years before becoming a missionary to really try to get rid of it. And then, um, you know, five years ago when I came out and got kicked out of evangelical missions world, um, I, I kind of found myself floating into progressive Christian community, which then led me toward getting my master's in practical theology and then writing my first book, um, not necessarily all in that order. Um, but, uh, I think the thing that really started with it was like, I was young, I was seven years old, I was nine, like seven years old doing crap in church, nine years old, got baptized and knew that's what I wanted to do. And, uh, the rest is history really. You know, I, I, I came out five years ago and almost immediately started getting into, um, advocacy work around LGBTQ inclusion, especially at the intersection of LGBTQ identity and the evangelical church. I was really dedicated to um, working on reforming those spaces for a long time to make them more inclusive and try to work on harm reduction. But I, I no longer see that as the most, I don't see that as the best use of my time anymore. So, you know, my approach has shifted That's to say the least. Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating world uh, that um, we as human beings have created for people to, um, not be them true selves they don't people don't mm-hmm. want you to be a true self because they don't have control over you in that sense and they don't you're breaking the quote-unquote breaking the rules and uh mm-hmm. which is there is no rules we made that all of what we're doing right now me and you talking on here is just made up there's none of this is re- this is just what we're doing it does exactly it only exists because of us and um of course we want to do it in the most positive way and light and mm-hmm. some people don't some people absolutely do not want to do that um, that's the dang truth. And that's what's so interesting. I'm just like, why is, why is, what is so threatening to y'all? I don't know. Like, that's the thing. Like, 
I was I was dealing with this right before I got on the call. Some very very un not very unkind, but just a person who's like, "You're wrong. You're reading the Bible wrong. This is what it means." And I'm like, first of all, no, you don't get to come into my space and tell me what I believe about X, Y, and Z. You don't get to tell me what the Bible says when you're using an English translation. First of all, so or second of all, and thirdly. Why is it that all these evangelicals feel the need to police everybody else's faith? Like, you know what, if it helps, I won't identify as a Christian. Fine, I won't be a Christian. Will you leave me alone now? Right. Because like at the end of the day, like I don't care. I don't care about that label anyways. Well, no, and it is just a label. It's it's like, well, it's what's going on in this country right now with racism and and all these things and what people are experiencing. And I'm like, well, we're so, we're so... No one wants labels, but you're also people also are afraid of labels and no one wants to put in a box, but then mm-hmm. we tend to go to the boxes because we feel safe in there and then we don't want to come out of those boxes because if we come out of those boxes, people will probably mm-hmm. say mean things to us so they won't agree with what my idea is of something or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's just funny. We just beat that down and try to beat a lot of people and religion is so hypocritical and it does that. And it, I've experienced all of it. I went through a whole... Mm-hmm moment in my life with my workbooks and mm-hmm. Jesus and the Christian and all this and was told I couldn't be gay and I was like no I was like because I came out when I was 16 and I mm-hmm. didn't have a problem coming out I took my boyfriend to my prom like I oh the I best just, I just did all that stuff and I didn't have I didn't I didn't personally have to think twice mm-hmm. about it but um I know a lot of people do and which is why I do my mm-hmm. podcast now and twice three times four times five times yeah, for some of us and the thing is you come out your whole life like that's what some people don't really understand about the queer community. Um, you you continuously come out because regardless of how your circle is, your inner circle is, you're still gonna have to go to a place, meet new people, talk about them. You don't have to say you're queer, but there's something will always come up in, in, the, in those regards. Um, mm-hmm. When it comes to religion and spirituality and faith and God and whomever you believe in, that that conversation, speaking of conversations, that conversation is real. So what are, <laughs> those conversations that you've had with this work specifically with queer youth because they're the ones that get affected by it the most really because mm-hmm. they're yeah. the ones that we all have uh, faith we all have something that we grow up we grow up with regardless mm-hmm. of who you are you always have some type of religion or some type of building you go to with catechism mm-hmm. or uh you know well i mean i think that uh I mean, that that statement, I think, is a little bit of an assumption because I've met plenty of humans who grew up without faith. I think saying if you grew up in the South, it's likely more true. Um, and at well, least if you, you grew up in America. you always have some type of religion. Like you always have mm-hmm. some type of something thrown at you. Yeah, You're whether whether, whether you, yeah. Right. Ex- yeah, whether you grow up in it or it's cultural. That's right, true, especially exactly. in America. Christianity is the overarching thing. So yes, it is. when I... I've, I've, I, uh, to be truthful, I don't often have a whole lot of deep interaction with youth. Like most of my analytics tell me that I'm in like the 21 to 35 year old thing area. But the one group I have worked with um, a lot is actually one called Beloved Arise. It's an LGBTQ affirming youth group. I just spoke to and, you yesterday. Ah, uh, June Young. Yeah, yeah. I Literally yesterday we had, a, he's on, gonna be on this season, so phenomenal june is amazing and such a visionary and i think we both kind of fell in love with this idea of just like we just want to help queer kids stay alive and what's really really hard especially with working with youth is uh 
oftentimes we are trying to affirm them in like, even if you have like an affirming youth group online experience, even if you have all the right theology, if your home life sucks, there's not much that one can change if you don't have any power and youth and children are incredibly disempowered all the time. Um, so when I'm having these conversations, like that's the thing I'm thinking about the most is like, there is a kid, like there's a kid out there who's going to hear this and go home and kill themselves. There's somebody out there who's going to feel further from God as a result of hearing this bad preaching or that bad theology or hearing that one ex-gay testimony. And they hope that it's going to be true for them. But then, you know, five years later, that person who had the ex-gay testimony comes out and they're like, oh, and then by that point, who knows what's going on in the head and heart of a young queer. But the the conversation as I have with people, it's it all, some of it has to boil down to like, well, but the Bible, but the Bible. And I'm like, yeah, we can argue all about the Bible. We can argue all about these things. But at the end of the day, I don't think you should need a Bible verse to treat yourself well. And I don't think you should need a Bible verse to love everyone to the fullest capacity. Truth. Speak it. That's truth right there. I don't either. I don't think we need mm -hmm. to. Rely. I don't understand relying on that. That doesn't make sense mm -hmm. to me. Um, I hear well, it doesn't make sense because it doesn't make sense. Right. Like it's it's a nonsensical, illogical thought. That, that, that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It is because I I've read it. I've read the some of the a lot of the Bible. I've read all those things. I people have used those things against me. Those passages that everyone pulls out of their ass. And uh, yeah, they happen to know like all six all six verses that happen to be in this ginormous book. And, and on top the version of another version, so whatever. And the thing about it is, is like even the people who do have like the Hebrew and the Greek nailed down only know those verses and they don't know the full context of them. The only reason I bring that up is I just finished up doing an e-course talking about the clobber passages and how to redo theology. And so my um my brain's just there. I'm just like, wow. People who are just like, the Bible says, I'm just like, you don't know what the Bible says. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's so, it's, it's, uh, it's fascinating. What do you do with, so I, I, um, I've been very lucky to go to a few churches and my church, mm -hmm. I got a Unitarian Universalist church and nice. we do whatever and everything is welcomed and it's pretty cool. But I've gone to other churches and mm. they have queer sections and like they have a really queer, good queer youth groups and stuff like that. But you know, one thing I have a hard time with is often um, everyone lives in this world of sin and I don't understand. Mm. I, I, I often bring it up and I often, I question everybody, even all those people in the room, I'll be like, mm. I don't really believe in sin. I don't think it actually exists because that doesn't make mm. any sense to me to like, repent and do all that kind of stuff right. now if you're being a complete horrible person and you're gonna murder someone or hit them and be, that's just you're being a horrible person mm -hmm. but that word sin mm. always gets to me in the wars but yeah I'm like, stop saying that word <laughs> yeah i i think it's because not um, real <laughs> it depends on your definition because for me i think sin can be a helpful word when it's used correctly because uh I think of sin as any inaction or action that makes one oneself or somebody else feel separate or further from God or causes harm in some way, disturbing shalom or peace. And so when I, and so I, I do think sin exists because what is white supremacy, if not sin, 
what is um, the destruction of black lives, the destruction of native lives, women's lives, trans lives, queer lives, what is rape, what is the destruction of the earth, what is um, capitalism that exploits people um, and yet lets the rich continue to be richer, if not sin. So that's what I would call sin. I think the problem is we're naming the wrong thing sin. Um, Cause the thing is like, we all kind of like, uh, the, the way that even ancient Israelites would think about it would be like, it's the sin of like, it's a system. It's just like, it's our corporate, it's our collective, like as a culture, how are we letting each other down? That's what, so like, you know, when we think about how America treats Mexican and Central American immigrants who come to the border, that's sinful because we are not honoring their humanity. That's sin. That's sin to me. It has nothing to do with who I am and everything to do with how I treat other people. Um, and I think with like the, when, uh, when, you know, so in that sense, when John the Baptist says, repent for the forgiveness of your sins, I'm like, yes, I do want to repent of my racism. I do want to repent of my white supremacy. I do want to repent for my internalized trans and queer phobia. I do want to change my mind so that I can forgive myself for the ways that I separated myself knowingly or unknowingly, a lot of it's stuff that we inherited. But the thing is like, God doesn't, con God doesn't need to forgive us because God never condemned us, we did. And so when I think about forgiveness, I'm thinking about just returning back to the truth that God loves me so much. And I was like, I don't ever wanna think that I could be separate. That thought, that's a sin, but that is, I can forgive that. I don't need God to forgive my thoughts, I do. And so that's how I see it. So repentance for me has nothing to do with like, you know, being better. It has to come, has to do with changing my mind and remembering who I am, that I'm loved. Yeah, yeah. And unlearning things we've been taught our whole lives. If you're taught something, you're supposed to believe it in some way. And then therefore you do the thing that you believe in because you've been taught that. And that's the thing you think is the thing you should be doing. Um, but we don't know what we don't know. So it's unclear to us when we start to question everything because so many people tell you different things and like do this to exactly. you. Exactly. And so, like, yeah. So and I think feel that, that sin thing you just said to me and start using it in my everyday life because I know use it. Thing I always, it always comes up for me and I'm like, stop saying it like that. There's gotta be a different way to put it mm -hmm. in context. Yeah. And because like, yeah, because if we're saying just like, oh, just I struggle, like, what's your struggle that you sit or the sin that you struggle with? I'm just like, all we mean is like, what's the thing that makes me feel like shit that I keep doing? Right. You know, to, to disturb my peace. What am I doing that's disturbing my peace? And can I change it? And if the answer is yes, which the answer most of the time is, I mean, I think that's good news, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> totally. So what's, um, said you came out five years ago what has been that what was that journey for you what's your queer journey been like like because how old are you if you don't mind me asking i am a solid 30 years of age my dog wants to come hang out absolutely um, um i uh, yeah i'm 30 years old i came out about i guess it was actually six years ago now yeah awesome. six years ago this fall um okay bye good to see you um the journey has been really interesting. I should say actually this, let me clarify. How does the experience differ from being your true self mm. versus pushing yourself into something that obviously you never, AKA, never when I was trying, when I was trying to be a straight missionary worship pastor. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yeah. That journey was wild because I was under this impression 
that in order to be a good Christian, I had to perform the part of a good Christian, which was prescribed to me by, you know, a system that values white cisgender heteropatriarchy. Um, and so when I couldn't fit myself into that, when I, I mean, I mean, frankly, like I was depressed and I wanted to kill myself and I almost did twice. Yeah. Um, and it was terrible. Like I, I woke every, my brain, like I, I think a lot of people can relate to this, but just like when I was in the closet, 90% of the time I was thinking, do they think I'm gay? Am I, am I basically, am I passing as straight? Am I like, am I being, am I being manly enough? Am I being godly enough? Am I being good enough? And so that was the big deal for me was constantly policing my own body, my own thoughts, um, any sort of natural thing. Like if I had, I had a thought about a guy I thought was attractive, just walking by, I instantly would berate myself internally and tell me I would, you know, bullies on the playground are mean, but I was much worse. You know, I was incredibly mean to myself for a long time. And it got to a point where, um, you know, I did everything I thought I was supposed to do, everything I thought I could do. And when I woke up after my second attempt um, and didn't die, it was like, oh, there must be another way. I must be, there's gotta be another way. That's really what it came down to. And just like, I can't, I either like I have to get in line with celibacy and just really commit myself to that, or there's gotta be a different way. Because, uh, you know, as you know, a young teen who masturbated, I'm just like, I am not giving up sex. Like, I want to have that when I'm older. Like, so celibacy is not my gift. Um, and so uh, for the first time I Googled gay and Christian and that was like summer of 2014. And it took about a year and some change. So summer 2015, I came out to myself finally and said, this is not going away. I am likely monosexual in the gay direction. Uh, and started my process, got kicked out. And oh, when I tell you, I've never been more joyful in my entire life. Like my life is so much better. Like it's not been easy all the time for sure. Um, it's in fact been like the most I've struggled. I, my life is so much better. I am happier. I am more free. I'm more connected to God than I've ever been in my entire life. Um, Jesus is still a really, really huge part of my spiritual journey. He's my teacher. And I mean, as much as somebody who died 2000 years ago can be your teacher, you know? <laughs> Fair enough. Um, um, but he's but a, yeah, I, I think he's like us to me. So that's what mm -hmm. I think this is. Yeah. He is us. He is who, what we're doing right now is what mm. he was doing then. Just obviously. Not yes. So it's the same. Very good. That's it. That's, that's how it, I see it. That's how I see it too. It's like Jesus literally was just here to show us our own potential. And they just were like, so guess what? Yeah. Yes. And they were so scared of him because he was up. He's like, listen, you guys have the power to change the world. And maybe you could do it if you just love each other well and take care of each other. And it terrified the, the status quo so much that they killed him. Much yeah. like Martin Luther King Jr., I might add. Yeah. He said, I imagine a world where little black girls and little white boys can hold hands and be judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. And they assassinated him. If you bite me again, 
little dog. Yeah, but that's a that's, that's the thing. Is that like love is a threat to empire? Love power. is a threat to power. So it's a, a bizarre thing, but that's just what's been created by man, mm -hmm. mostly white men. So my favorite thing to say is like Jesus started a movement, and then his followers started a church, and so. And now people get, and also people get so caught up on, well, it's interesting too, because in the church, if you, from a, from an artistic standpoint in the church, if you look at what they've created inside for artwork in this, it's been completely whitewashed and completely whitified in that sense. And in the, in most of Western Christianity, that's true. Yeah. You're like, wait a minute. Those people all lived in the desert and they were Jewish and they were Israel. Brown and poor. Right. <laughs> it's like, what? Um, but so that's a, a fierce journey you have been going on, um, so far, uh, with your mm -hmm. life. I, I really do, um, want these stories told because what people think about, they're like, oh, well, it's 2020 more people mm -hmm. should just be who they are. And like, it doesn't really work that way when you're taught something so hard to believe in. Mm -hmm. And you want to believe in that thing too, but you also want to be yourself, but then those people don't want you to be yourself. And it's 2020, 2030, 2040, 2050, people still will be taking mm. their journey however they see fit. Um, mm -hmm. and how and I mean, hopefully in, by 2050, it'll be a lot easier, you know? I hope so when too. We'll... I hope so yeah. too. Um, there was some quote, a friend of mine did like a suffragette kind of play. And one of the mm -hmm. things, and this is insane to me, that it'll take another 200 years for equality for women's like, like pay and like equality mm -hmm. to actually match what should have existed in the first place. And I was like, mm -hmm. 200 years. I was like, I got, that's insane to me. I hope that's not true. I hope that's a fake number. I hope that's something mm -hmm. that I don't even know. I have a uh, talking with some of my activist friends and just like queer theorists in general. And it's like, some people will even say that it will take the, um, the elevation of the white gay man before women's equality will happen. Um, because mm -hmm. in some, and they, they've, they've said that specifically because like looking at something like um, marriage equality, for example, which uh, was definitely a necessary thing and definitely good. And yeah. the way it was funded, a lot of white gay dudes, which is not you know necessarily a bad thing, but it's like, it's so interesting that we could get that passed, but we can't get an equal pay act passed. I know. I don't know. And it's, it's Human rights equality act doesn't even pass. Like exactly. <laughs> that's it's been, just like, that's been trying to get like, back forever. <laughs> so. It's just, it is so it's wild. It is like, it doesn't, it doesn't make any, I mean, like granted the, when you, I always tell people, I'm just like the reason things happen is usually two reasons or one of the three things it's white supremacy, patriarchy, or capitalism. It's the unholy Trinity. Which is like a lot of evangelical churches. Just kidding. Yeah. Kind of Kind of not. No, 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 no. You, I, I don't think you're wrong at all. <laughs> kind of not I actually kidding. think it. Yeah, um, actually, kind of. That is the exact model. That is for that, and also just like churches treat themselves like businesses. They do. That's 100%. a that's a problem. Those mega that's churches in Texas like are insane, and my my dad. That's where my dad lives, and I um, it's, and this is because it's so easy to listen to someone else, to have someone else tell you what to do with your life than it is for you to actually make your own decisions and choices. Mm -hmm. So if someone is telling yeah. you what you should do to get to this financially or whatever it is, and they're constantly telling you that, you're going to give them a mm -hmm. 10 or a 20 or a 30 and you just build these millions of dollars in this empire. Right. And and that's 
what feels yeah. safe to you, of course you're going to keep going there. Yeah. But I don't ever fault evangelicals for staying where they are because when I think about it, like me five years ago, me five, six years ago, mm-hmm. totally bought in. And it's because it, it comes down to, and I think this is the part where we forget, there's a huge fear of hell. There's a fear that if I don't do this correctly, I am going to be punished for eternity, period. And so it totally makes sense why everyone is trying to do it. And so, but to me, the idea of a God that would send somebody to eternal conscious torment forever, that's, uh, you know, if God is a good, good father, at minimum, I don't think a good, good father abuses their child or stands for their harm in this life or the next. 100%, but it's it's so driven and it's so driven through the market and the and the way that the corporations and, and, and the mm-hmm. do, on the dollar and like, and like, it's all these different things where you're like, if you look at the signs, you're like, well, yeah, it's, it's really easy to be simple and to simplify your life um, and mm-hmm. sustain a life if you're afraid of something that actually doesn't exist, but it's a thing that you're allowing yourself to be afraid of. And that's, mm-hmm. and that's good enough for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, totally it's one of those things. Cool. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, Gary. for them, it's not a thought or a belief. It is a reality. Reality, no. And that, and so, and because your mind makes it real, it's not until you encounter something that challenges your worldview that you can even hope to break free of it. And the problem is evangelicals and, you know, in general, like, you know, white hegemony in general disallows for difference. And it like, for example, these multi-ethnic churches are like, yeah, they have a lot of black people and and East Asians and whatever, but they're still assimilating everybody into a single identity of whiteness. Yeah. You know, you have to look a certain way to be here with us. You have to spend your dollar a certain way to be here. You have to tie the certain way to be here. Yeah. Um, but they also dress. So yeah, them. they do it all it's throughout the whole thing. It's a look a certain. There's all these things that they really do take into account. I'm sorry, they just mm-hmm. I've seen it. Yeah, I've lived it. I've been in it. <laughs> so. Yeah. What's and now now I want to say all having said all that. Funny enough, I still lead worship, and I'm a uh, I lead worship, and I'm a member at a place called Park Avenue Baptist Church here in Atlanta, and we are a Baptist Church within the Black Liberation Movement. <clears throat> So it's like, well, that's really technically cool. it's like technically we're Baptists. And at the same time, they don't care that I read tarot cards and they don't care that I, you know, do the work that I do or that I, you know, badmouth Christians on the Internet, because at the end of the day, they're not concerned. They're, right. You know what their concern is? Uh, currently, we have like so hey, we haven't had meetings all year, but like what we're concerned about right now is um, we have we house one of the only you. Uh, only youth homeless shelters for queer kids in the city in our building and there has been a little bit of a a COVID outbreak happening among the youth so like that's the thing that we're concerned about right now how do we keep our little tenants safe so they can stay healthy and that's what you should be concerned about (laughs) hello right come on somebody like human life and like valuing human life and respecting it and and just and that's it period like and then yeah what we can do with to make it work and then figure it out together because a lot of people are damaged and then mm-hmm. when queer queer youth homeless youth is that to even say that out of your mouth it's so insane anyone that's homeless especially as a youth is it's just insane to me and there's not mm-hmm. enough housing i mean we have a very high poverty rate in this country and we don't it's even a, it, so 
I mean, that's the same thing like Atlanta, like we're having the same problem as LA with gentrification happening. And so yeah. poorer populations are getting pushed out. Um, homelessness is rising. And yet downtown we've got, um, what is it? North, Head Min- North Point Ministries with a- Andy Stanley's network of churches, mm-hmm. multi-million dollar campuses with huge ass budgets. And yet uh, the Atlanta Mission who does a lot of homeless recovery work, excuse me, um, uh, I'm trying to figure out, what, I can't remember what the correct way of saying, friends who are experiencing homelessness, they do work with folks who are experiencing homelessness. That's how I think it's sort of unhoused people. That's the phrase. They work a lot with unhoused people in order to get them the resources that they need. Uh, but they can't, you know, they don't have enough money to do all the things they want to do. And sure. I wonder like, hmm, what if a church would tithe 10% of their income to a local mission? Imagine. What would happen? Imagine. Especially something like Buckhead, Buckhead Church. Buckhead Church easily brings in 100,000 every weekend. Well, and you know what the funny, the, 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 the ironic part about everything about people giving money is that the poorest people give money to charities. That is a statistic. That's a thing. That's a real thing. Like, I don't like, like not making a lot of money. They still give money to people like a dollar mm-hmm. or two or five or 10, Like that organization's still doing it yet. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem right that. Yeah. I was like, you should, I don't know. There's, like, I mean, like, here's a, here's a, here's a parable for you. Um, uh, there once was a giant billionaire named, um, who's the guy who owns Facebook again? What's his name? Mark. Mark. Mark Zuckerberg. There was a man named Mark Zuckerberg who had billions and billions and billions of dollars. And when a terrible virus struck the land, he gave a million dollars to, um, to, to finding a cure, to research on that. But like, uh, if you look at like a, the thing about that is like, there's a, you're one of the richest humans in the world, a million dollars. Come here. Is that's a sneeze for you. You know, it's like, it's like that story in the Bible when Jesus was there in the temple, all these rich people came in giving these lavish gifts and a one, a woman came in and gave two copper coins. And Jesus said that that's it. Giving joy. Cause like to those people giving all those lavish gifts, it wasn't nothing for them. It didn't impact them. And the thing is not to say give beyond your means, but it's to say like, if you have the means to give, should you not? And that's the thing is like, uh, for someone like- Dolly Parton just gave a million dollars for COVID research. She don't care. Yeah. Like here's a million dollars. I'm like, yes, that's what you should be doing with your money. Oprah Mm -hmm. does it all the time too. She Mm -hmm. just doesn't talk about it. But she does. and And that's the thing is like, I can't wait to be fucking rich so I can just, I can see a, a GoFundMe and just throw, oh, like, you need $10,000 to get top surgery? Let's do it. You know, I cannot, and that's the thing is like, I have been oaky, smoky, brokey poor. Oh, yeah. I'm talking, I, I've lived $300 in my bank account for the month and got a boot on my car and had to pay $85 to get it off and had to stretch that for the month until I could find better work. Oh, life. And yeah. still, you know what I do? I still gave what I could when I could. Exactly. You know, I have been the person to do the GoFundMe and I've been the person to give to the GoFundMe. Yeah, because you, like, you know what you know and then you're like, well, I also have to give something because I work to get there. I do, I produce shows and stuff. And um, mm-hmm. so I know what it takes to get even people to come to see something that you're doing. So it's like, mm-hmm. just give a little, if you give a little, you'll get a lot back. And uh, it's just the way it works. And, yeah, I'm a big fan of... Um, there's a there's like this thing called the the threefold rule within which cosmology it says anything that you get send out into the world comes back threefold um 
And I need to remember that when I'm dragging people on the internet, because sometimes, <laughs> sometimes my little ego gets a little challenged and she, she uh, yeah, bites people's heads off. But also like, it's one of those things where I don't always feel bad about clapping back on people on the internet because no. frankly, straight cishet people and Christians, it's, it's, it's prevalent and I know that we're riding and ragging on Christians today apparently, <laughs> but that's who I get the most flack from. I've never had a Muslim person come up to me and give me shit. I've never had a Jewish person give me shit. You won't. You won't. You really won't. I mean, you might have like the, the crazy people, but those are just people that are just doing their own thing anyway. So it don't matter. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. So let's wrap it up. And yeah, I usually like people to give some words of yeah. wisdom. So give some words of wisdom. You've given a lot, but just give a little mm. bit more and then tell everybody where they can find you. Yes. Okay. Uh, something that uh, A Course in Miracles tells us is... Um, that it, the whole point of life is not to learn the meaning of love because this is beyond all teaching. But what we do here in this life, whatever we do should be aimed at removing the blocks to the awareness of love's presence. And the reality that nothing real can be threatened and nothing unreal exists. And that love is truly the only reality that matters. Um, and so what I, and what I mean by that is uh, your peace is important. Your life is important. Your story, is necessary. You are integral to God's plan for this world, for the God's plan for healing this world. You have a gospel message that only you can tell. And what I mean by gospel message is you have a bit of relief for somebody. You have a gift to give somebody. Your experience becomes your story of liberation for another person if you let it. So don't let anybody tell you that you're not in the presence of God because it's literally impossible to be apart from it. You're loved and nothing else matters. That was really nice. I'm glad. <laughs> can you uh, tell everybody where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me on the internet at the Kevin Garcia. That's T-H-E Kevin Garcia across social media and at my website, thekevingarcia.com. Uh, my book is called Bad Theology Kills, Undoing Toxic Beliefs and Reclaiming Your Spiritual Authority, available at badtheologykills.com worldwide. And if you are into the Bible and things like that, I just launched a new e-course called The Big Queer Bible Study, where we're unpacking not only the six clobber passages, but how we actually interpret scripture in a way that's helpful for a modern context. Um, even if you're not Christian, it's actually a really good thing to have because like then you can like argue with like your grandma or your grandpa, your ugly uncle who's like, you're Leviticus and Romans one. And you can be just like, guess what? homosexuality wasn't on anyone's radar until 1896 or 1869 when it was coined in Germany. But um, that's another conversation for another time. But follow me on the internet. I love friends. You're amazing. You're a light. I'm so glad we got connected. Um, we'll just continue to keep in each other's lives and work something out and eventually see each other in person when all this crap is done. And Listen, uh, when the world opens up, we are going to have a big queer dance party in a forest somewhere. I'll send out the invites. All are welcome. Yes. And have fun with your new dog. I will. Thanks so much for having yeah. me. This was great. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Ah. Thank you so much, Kevin. That's awesome. So enlightening. Yes, please check out thekevingarcia.com or badtheologykills.com to get all the, the books and the merch and to, to, know a little bit, to know a little bit more about Kevin Garcia and their work. 
So yeah, that's it. Of course, I want to thank my honor sponsors, Michael J. Gabrowskis. And if you want to become a Patreon and become an on-year sponsor, just go to patreon.com forward slash quarantine podcast. $5 actually gets you the episodes a little bit early, or you give lots more money and get lots more prizes. So yeah, check it out. And I'm your host, Anthony Giorgio. Thanks for listening to another episode of QT, Queer Teen Podcast, encouraging the next generation of queer youth from across the world to stand up for what's right. And remember, listen, learn, love.